Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. On today's episode, my friend Brett Lindley stops by, and we talk about kind of a loosely defined genre of video games that I call Build-A-World. Survival is probably a more common term for, for what those games fall into, but games like Minecraft, Terraria, uh, Crashlands, Don't Starve. Uh, anyway, we really had a lot of fun recording the episode, and I hope you guys have a lot of fun listening to it. Thanks again for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to The Walk Show. Uh, today, I'm joined by a dear friend of mine, uh, Brett Lindley. Uh, what's up, Brett? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, uh, Today, we are going to talk about um, survival kind of genre of video games. And I, I really don't personally know that these games really qualify as survival. I, I know one of them does for sure, but um, I don't really care to to try and debate the the genre de- definition. Um, and instead, I'll, I'll just try and share my thoughts on a few games that I think fall into this broad genre that I'm that I'm talking about. My my dad used to call grand strategy games like Civilization build a world games which was kind of fitting for that but i think is more actually fitting as a title for for this kind of genre um you know he never saw games like minecraft uh or don't starve or terraria which we're going to talk about today but again i think build a world is is a good a good working name um build a world games typically involve a, a player you controlling a character that's placed in a, a large open world oftentimes with no real direction other than just to not die. Um, The player can find resources that they can then harvest to then convert or craft into usable tools or resources. So, for example, maybe you cut down a tree, break apart a stone, then you take those items, for example, maybe to make a pickaxe so you can dig more efficiently. Um, And again, this type of game usually sees the player start with very little to to nothing uh, as far as resources or, or items go. And then you kind of build into something more and more sophisticated as you go through. Um, Brett and I have both played this kind of game for a really long time and and have really gotten a lot of enjoyment out of it. Brett has actually, and I'll let him decide to what extent he wants to plug it, but he's done different YouTube channels uh, for for games of this kind of variety. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to get together and kind of share our thoughts on it. So the one I wanted to start with is is Minecraft. Uh, Minecraft, in my opinion, is kind of the the grandfather of all of these. I don't know if that's actually true. There might be something else before it, but uh, that's kind of where it lands for me. So I think Minecraft came out in 2010. It might have been early access or beta before that, but around that time. Is that around when you started playing it, Brett? Um, No, actually. And it's funny that you that you bring it up like kind of what my my introduction into those was mm-hmm. um my build world actually starts with terraria oh okay um i mean i guess if you if you really want to get serious my build world starts with legos like <laughs> in the ancient times but yeah, as yeah. far as analog. you know right, analog the very analog build a world <laughs> <laughs> Um, but as far as video games, I was a very early adopter of Terraria. I'm, I don't know if it was you that introduced me to Terraria. I, know I think it might've been. Yeah, I think, I think it was, um, I think that was also, if not my first steam game, like very oh, wow. close to, I was kind of a late adopter of steam. I played 
like Team Fortress when it was a mod to Half-Life and I mm-hmm. played like Counter-Strike when it was separate like I think like CS6 is when I stopped like when it okay. went mainstream is when I kind of stopped not saying that I'm super you know retro or anything but <laughs> I'm just old right. um but I mean like we played like half Half-Life Deathmatch at LAN parties and like StarCraft and stuff like that um so I was very much so like install my own games from CD and a very late adopter of something like Steam. Um, but I, I think Terraria is very close to my introduction to both Steam and kind of the larger quasi-infinite versus infinite style games. Um, mm-hmm. I picked up Minecraft afterwards as kind of a... Like, I, I think I kind of looked down on Minecraft just because I felt like it was beyond my time. Um you know, even by the, I mean, especially by the time I had gotten onto it, like Yogg's cast had largely kind of come and gone. And like all of the big, like all of the big news stories on Minecraft being such a huge deal, like Minecraft was already kind of old news, even by the time Terraria came out, like everybody knew about Minecraft. I mean, it's still popular to this day, of course, but as far as like the giant kind of craze around it, um, had kind of died down some. And so I felt like, I don't know if I, if I was just indignant about it or if I, you know, was pretentious. Um, but it seemed so simple. And I think especially after being spoiled with the amount of content that was in Terraria, uh, going back to there being like three pickaxes, three swords, you know, Mm -hmm. I was just like, and like five monsters, like, Mm -hmm okay, I've it, great. It's in 3d, but you know, so is saints row four. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. I, I like that you brought up the, the Legos and, and I, I also use Plato in that same vein um, to, to compare to Minecraft. So, you know, I, I recently did an episode on, on Factorio, which is kind of another game in this genre. Yep. Um, but you know, Factorio especially, but even the other games in the genre outside of Minecraft really do a, a, a lot more to try and give the player a direction to go in, to try and give you, you know, carrots to chase or objectives to fulfill. Uh, and Minecraft doesn't really. And I always say that that Minecraft is kind of the video game equivalent. And to be clear, <laughs> this is not profound to me. Other people have said this for years, but Minecraft is kind of like the video game version of Legos or Play-Doh where you can just jump in and kind of make anything. Um, I, I I agree and sort of disagree. Like, I still feel like at least in it, it's it's so weird looking at Legos now because, uh, you know, we're we're pretty close to the same age and growing up there was not licensed content Legos. Mm-hmm. Legos were all their own. Like the space sets were like Lego Mars and Lego Aliens and Lego City, but they were all their own branded things up till even kind of currently the only remnants of that really are like the Ninjago and the Bionicles. But mm-hmm. back in the day, like all the like the Blacktrons, there were like factions that had their own unique styles of you know, gear and ships and machines and things that you could build and, and play in. And and now there's, 
you know, Lego Batman, there's Lego Star Wars, there's Lego Harry Potter, and all of these branded things that are recognizable as kind of in-canon, in-universe things, where kind of in the past, it was a lot more about encouraging your own creativity. I think that that Minecraft is definitely an extension of that. There's definitely, I mean, the similarities have been made millions of times. There is a, you know, branded version of Minecraft in Lego, and and I'm sure, you know, vice versa is the comparison. Like, they're pretty tied together. The only difference that I really feel between the two is the amount of motion that you can get with Lego, where I can, like, build an X-Wing and, like, grab it and fly it around. And that's literally the only thing that I can't do in Minecraft that I wish I could. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. And, and really what I mean by the comparison between the two is just that you know, as you stated earlier, you know, in Minecraft, there's only a few tiers of, of ore and there's only a, a few tiers of gear. And so, you know, if you're if you're someone who's playing Minecraft to chase objectives and try and quote unquote beat the game, then it, it seems pretty shallow pretty quickly. But what it does that the other games kind of do, but but I don't think any game does it as well as Minecraft is allow you to very simply create just about any sort of landscape or, or building or anything like that, that that you might want that's true it's it's a lot more kind of like you know like a, maybe maybe calling it a video game version of doodling is a better <laughs> a well better I, mean, I mean to, to your point there's no winning in lego either um, right you right. know you're not going to win the game of lego whereas uh, like a game like terraria has you know not just one but i think it's up to close to 20 different bosses let right. alone countless enemies you know arc has has a lot of different bosses don't starve i don't know that it has a boss per se but it definitely has it does it, now it, oh does it, it <laughs> i mean it's especially very... with like don't starve together there's the the giants that's true and, and in a lot of the newer they actually just did another update which i'm surprised at how much they are still updating the original version of this game for free um their latest update just released with like another couple of bosses another couple of characters and even more content yeah it's kind of ridiculous how far don't starve is going and they're starting to reach that terraria levels of content in a game that started with a lot less right yeah so just to kind of to catch anyone up who you know maybe I, I don't know that anyone has never heard of minecraft but it's very possible that you haven't seen it or or you know certainly haven't played it um, to be clear, it's a, a game that just drops you into this literally infinite three-dimensional world in the first-person view, um, and just about anything that you can see in the world, you can manipulate, whether that be trees, the ground, a mountain, some coal in a cave, uh, water, just about everything is yours to kind of, you know, either leave alone or change however you wish. Um, and, and so it, it, especially I think that's why it's so popular with, with kids, because they can just make you know, these crazy scenes that they that they come up with. And it just really allows you to to pursue that creativeness. And it also has what what's called creative mode, which takes away all of the barriers of having to go and harvest the resources first or or um, spend any of the, any time doing the more tedious activities. It allows you to just select different block types and just build. So not always, but the vast majority of the time, if you look on the internet and look up these crazy, you know, people literally build computers inside of Minecraft <laughs> that can do math or display video or all sorts of stuff. 
that's pretty much always done with creative mode because to try and harvest all of those resources manually and then and then set it up would be even crazier <laughs> i think i'm always is. as impressive as like the machines in minecraft are mm -hmm. i think i'm always more impressed by the visual mega builds like people recreating like helms deep from lord of the rings mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. like the entire harry potter castle harry potter castle like inside and out i think it just because it seems like especially once you've played it's an immersive game it's it's the terrain even as blocky as it is and everything is cubes like you get into it and you walk around for a little bit and you feel like you're legit on some kind of environmental world yes but you know even a step further in these mega builds which are builds that have millions upon billions of blocks in them and usually whole teams of people working together to recreate something like the amount of detail that somebody or to these teams of people can get out of literally only cubes. Like I've designed like wireframe, like a little bit of dabbling in like 3d animation and 3d printing and CAD design and doing polygon work and wireframing. And, and even the amount of detail that I could get with, with that was very limited, but limiting yourself to these very sharp 90 degree corners and all everything made out of cubes at least when you zoom out, like being able to see this stuff is just unreal. And yeah. I definitely think of the survival kind of genre games, maybe it's because it has a very homogenous art style, but I think Minecraft's one of the most immersive. Like you you don't have to look realistic to be immersive. You just have to have a consistent art style. Agreed. Yeah, and not the not to go off on a tangent at all, but but World of Warcraft, the incredibly popular MMO, has really been criticized throughout its you know time as as being as the art style being too cartoony or the the graphics not being good. Yeah, I hate but it. But I've always disagreed. <laughs> yeah, well, and but you've also never really played it, and, and uh, it's so, true. But I I started hating it in Warcraft three when they started going that direction. Yeah. So. Well, what I would say, though, is from the immersive standpoint, though, which is what you were just describing, it accomplishes that because it's a very consistent theme and everything in the world feels like it's a part of that world. I do, it doesn't I feel do like anything is sprited in. No, know? I, and I do agree to that. I give them that credit. Like, it is a consistent art style. Mm -hmm. And it's not even like, I don't even hate it from a like, it's bad and cartoony. Um I kind of hate it in the same way that, like, I hate some, you know, tangent, but comic book movies not growing up with us as, as yeah. we, you know, become adults. Because I was very young when I played Warcraft 1 and 2 mm -hmm. and, like, was introduced into Chris Metzen's, like, gritty art style that my parents were, like, afraid for me to, like, look through the rule book because there was, like, black and white blood and gore in it, you know? Right. And and then seeing, like, Warcraft 3 as I'm becoming, you know, into my mid to late teens and and it's not growing up with me. And, like, I wanted it to get gorier and more gruesome and, and you know, and more macho and whatever. And, and that was... I, I think part of that was why I revolted. I think the other part was honestly just that I had played Command and Conqueror because that was also a thing. And whereas, you know, the original Warcraft and then StarCraft, you had these like 200 population, 100, 200 population limits. Warcraft 3, you had a pop limit of 80 and Command and Conqueror was infinite. 
Right. And I think yeah. that was kind of my like, that's kind of where I started to divide with Blizzard and say, look, you guys bring me StarCraft 2 and we'll talk. Boy, that was that was on the table for like 15 years. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I and I, again, we'll we'll have to do another show sometime right, about, we'll about back, Blizzard. But but I will say to that sentiment, because I do think it's an interesting point that you make about how when when something, you know, not growing up with us is probably the most succinct way to say that, you know, Starcraft one and Brood War were very brutal really hard outcomes planets are destroyed you know people are losing everything and then you move to work or to to starcraft 2 and it kind of feels like that in the first the the terran expansion or whatever you want to call it the wings of liberty but by the end of the third one it pretty much feels like a disney movie i I still haven't finished the campaign i've watched (laughs) the end of it i've played you know the first wings of liberty and whatever return of the swarm but yeah it i haven't finished legacy of the void and, and yeah. i don't i won't buy it i just refuse but that's yeah, you're not missing fault. yeah <laughs> well, like you said um, we'll get to that i do i do want to bring up one other point though kind of related to things growing up with us that i feel yeah. is important is that i i really honestly feel that the propensity of and the kind of global awareness of minecraft to me puts it at a level of it is maybe not for millennials but definitely for for like gen z it is their super mario yeah like it it is (laughs) so ubiquitous it is so worldwide known like even you know our parents and even our grandparents may not have really known what a nintendo was or how to use it but they still know knew that mario was a plumber right Mm -hmm. i think there that it's almost inescapable to not know that at least minecraft deals with blocks right you right. know like and, and i think that gen z has a lot of that that's their mario they're never they're gonna look back the way we do at like super mario brothers on the snes to minecraft well and and something that's really cool that kind of is a nice segue with the point you just made into to the next thing i wanted to talk about with minecraft is minecraft is is probably one of the most moddable games and and Probably most of our listeners are familiar with mods, but if you're not, it's basically just custom content that someone can create and then insert into the game. Um, Now, you have to go and and obtain that from whoever that person is, typically from a website or something where they distribute the mods. But, But so what that does is it allows Minecraft to have, you know, almost infinite content. I mean, there's mods that add you know, new crop types. Normally in Minecraft, I think you can grow like wheat, carrot, and potato. And uh, with mods, they might add 30 Watermelon different new crop in. types. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. They're, those are in default. Okay. <laughs> it's in default. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So whatever. Actually though. actually beats now too. Oh, there's nice. There's more getting... So like there's... I don't know. I, I have to counter your mod statement mm-hmm. and say, for one, I think Skyrim is more moddable. Um, and, and that's only since Microsoft has taken over. I think that the modding scene for Minecraft was very heavy in the 1.6 and 1.7 era, but once Microsoft took over in 1.8 and especially from 1.10 forward, Microsoft's been adding so much content every patch. I think we either just hit or about to hit 1.14. I don't I'm not don't quote me on that. But they're adding so much content and changing so much code every time that the modders have had a hard time keeping up and having that kind of base platform to work from 
and a lot of the old mods don't work anymore and a lot of people don't update them well but that's what i that's actually the thing about minecraft that i think is one of the most special things now it's not unique to minecraft there are some other games that do it but it is it is rare and that is is that minecraft allows you to load any version of the game that's so fair. that's very you fair. can load 1.6 and play 1.6 mods so what's cool is is that the people that have grown up with it assuming that it stays on the internet for the whole time can always return to what they played in 2012 and actually have that experience again you know again assuming they still have access to the right. files i mean it's kind of like having i mean i've seen there are some YouTubers uh, and like Minecraft YouTubers and stuff that I've only recently kind of come across um, that have been around for a long time that I've seen like 10 year anniversaries where they're like, I go back to my first Minecraft world because mm -hmm. they have those saves and they talk about their old builds and stuff. And that's just, that's great to see. And I think that it's, I mean, you know, you and I have access to, to ROMs and emulators to be able to go back and easily experience, you know, the games that we played as kids. But we don't have, like, it's not like I'm, I mean, I didn't even, I wasn't even that much of a Nintendo buff. My first Nintendo console was GameCube when I was, like, 16. But, I, you know, I still played friends, you know, went to friends' houses and played and stuff. And, and you know, being able to pick up an emulator and load up Super Mario to this day super fun but i'm not reloading my save like i'm right not, yeah yeah it's not because those games didn't have the ability for you to really have your own you know well, I mean, and, that you could leave on it right if you way. have your original console cartridge you might have like a save a b or c on it that might be yours might be a little brother saving over it. Not <laughs> right. Definitely never happened in my family. Um, right. But it, you know, it, being able to go back and, and of course, I mean, a lot of people have hard drive failures and stuff nowadays too. So not everybody's going to have that experience, but I think a lot of people will have it, or at least like you said, be able to experience the same world very easily mm -hmm. through just the, the launcher, which is pretty unique. And it's not, you know, like you said, it's not ubiquitous, but it is very rare to see that in a, in a product. It is. And, you know, like Skyrim that you mentioned, Skyrim is incredibly moddable, but Skyrim, at least to my knowledge, does not have an easy way to load old versions. So if the mod isn't updated anymore, you're kind of just SOL. Right. So it's definitely not time, like on the launcher when you launch the game. That's like, right. Hey, what version do you want to play? Oh, we've saved the profile for that too. Like, right. That's I, I'll give them credit there. And I'm actually kind of surprised that Microsoft has left so much of that in. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're definitely I mean, mine, Minecraft is a brand that kind of came out of nowhere and shocked everyone. And if Microsoft would have done too much to, to mess with it, uh, I think they would have they would have <laughs> been been disappointed. They paid two billion up front for it, you know, so <laughs> they've got quite a bit of cost to recoup, which I'm sure they have. Oh, done yeah. and, and several times over at this point there are you know just to, to talk of the kind of the missing adventure or the missing aspects there are just entirely different games that are still based in the minecraft world that are adventure games or right you know almost the same way there are lego video games like the lego star wars and harry potter and stuff like that but there are their own adventure games um yeah know, i have the telltale one right and and there's all of the the side branding to all of the 
everything from cardboard swords to like mm-hmm. like creeper panties you know it, it exists <laughs> it's all it's there's pixel bras out there that microsoft is making money licensing minecraft content to you know right, it's just it's right. there yep. um so yeah i'm sure they're they're gonna get and and i i actually really want to try minecraft in vr i don't know if you have i have not because i don't have access to vr but I've, i would be, I would be into that. I've gotten to play a, a, a fair bit of VR. Um, our one of our mutual friends in North Carolina has a, a VR setup that we got to play around with uh, last year when we were on spring break, and but he didn't have, uh, or at least if he did, wouldn't play Minecraft on it. Um, we played a lot of other games, but it, it, I'm not super interested in Minecraft much anymore. I think once every year, a couple of years, I I dink around with it for anywhere from a half an hour to a week and then I'm get my fill and I'm done. Um, but I definitely would want to play it in VR just to kind of have, just to see how that level of immersion carries through. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, I, I've definitely given hundreds of hours of my life to Minecraft and, and yeah, I haven't played it now in, in a couple of years, but you know, for me, it'll always be an all time favorite. And I, I would, definitely urge and i think i think i might have been the one that urged you to try minecraft um when you when you did i don't know for sure but i know when i started at at where we work i was like evangelizing minecraft everyone there i was like if you do play video games and if you answer yes in any capacity i'm going to urge you to play minecraft and that's because it's just a wholly unique experience and while there are other games that do aspects of what minecraft does better than minecraft um Minecraft has this this really beautiful simplicity to it that that I don't know that the other games just don't have and and to some extent it's kind of a a detriment to it in some ways because it is always blocky and it does always look one way and there are some significant limitations but on the other hand like uh, in Minecraft you don't <laughs> You don't run out of breath while swinging your pickaxe and then have right. to stop and wait for your stamina to regen. Well, and I, I mean, the same can be said for all of the dozens of platformers trying to emulate the Super Mario success. Like, mm-hmm. we've had 20, 25 years of platformers since the original Marios, and, and especially something iconic like Super Mario, and... You know, they all there. You could say that some have, you know, so much more content or so many more abilities or better music or cleaner or HD or whatever, but none of them capture that same. I don't know if it's just nostalgia fuel that you have, you know, when you experience it or that that first time feeling, but there's there's something about Super Mario World that's just done right. Like it's the it is the the prime genetic code of a good platformer. Yeah, I would say the only thing that I've played that, you know, and I'm very easily could be overlooking or forgetting something that I've played, but the thing that stands out to me that would be at least comparable to Mario and in that level of quality would be Rayman Legends. But that's a game from like 2013. So to your point, well, and I even it's not think, like and, and Rayman Legends basically just builds off of the Rayman formula. And I believe the the original Rayman was amazing. Um, again, mm-hmm. PC gamer all the way. It was a PC game long before it was a console game. And the original Rayman was amazing. It's still, I, I do believe it comes close, but I, I think it's still 
it's building upon the shoulders of giants sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, and I, I think that the, a lot of that can be said for many of these voxelized survival sandbox build a world style games is that at, at their core, because of Minecraft's simplicity and the fact that it boiled everything down to such a core concept, it is very easy to build away from that concept, but it's still at its core got a piece of that with it. Yeah. Yep. I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, I would say again, if you are, if you play video games ever and you have not played Minecraft, just do yourself a favor and go try it. And I don't care what five-year-olds you've seen playing it. I'm telling you, if you've never played it before, don't look up how to play or anything. Just jump in and it you will die and it will actually be hard and intense. I mean, for... it's way more noob friendly now than it's ever been, at least. Yeah. Several of the most downloaded mods of all time are just kind of now part of the game, like a craft oh, guide. Okay. Like craft guide is basically part of the game now. You can see how to build yeah. different items. Yeah, but if you don't look up how how light affects monster spawning, which oh, right, spoiler alert, right. Some but if you don't look that up, still going to be in you know, know the wiki hunting, and I, right. I that is a feeling that I get on a lot of these games, and it's part of it that I like is most of these games that I've had the most fun with, I've had to visit the wiki at least once, but I try to avoid it as long as possible. Yeah, we're in a weird world now where because of the way that games are developed which and what i mean by that is that in many cases minecraft is a prime example of this and, and maybe one of the earlier ones the games are developed with the help of the community and player base and so because of that the ideas that get baked into it can be somewhat complicated or at the very least not necessarily intuitive but it's because the way that the developer teaches the player the game is through wikis and patch notes and, you know, blog dev blogs and that sort of thing. And so then there's almost a requirement in some of these games. I mean, we'll talk about Ark later, but even Terraria that we're going to talk about next, if you didn't look at the wiki, I don't know if you would ever be able to figure it out. And, and it's not because the games are poorly designed. I just don't know. Without just a block of text, I don't know how you would ever <laughs> teach well, the player and, some of those things. You know, and I think that that's both a, 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 a kind of a it's a blurse, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, is that I think part of it is because of the patch nature of games, mm -hmm. games that released it as a cartridge or a CD-ROM, maybe to get a patch when online functionality became a thing, maybe not. And definitely not a required patch versus, you know, they had to have their tutorials and their teaching systems or a manual. I mean, most of the games that I played on PC came with a book. Right. And that taught you the game. It taught you what to right click, what to left click, what all the units were, what all the buildings yep. were. And yep. and it was the wiki just printed out on 30 pieces of paper stapled together in the center, you know, like. Yeah, and, that's that's true. But now, because your game is going to be patched constantly, you're going to have, you know, 1.2.3.4.5, mm. and you can't necessarily rebuild your entire campaign or the first couple levels every two weeks and have a new first couple of levels to teach the player how to play, especially for the players that already know. They just want to see what's new or where do they get stuck and... And it's kind of a puzzle game that way. I think I think Terraria really is 
a blend between an adventure game and a puzzle game because the, to me the core of the game is definitely the adventure that's kind of a it's not a like a looter game in the sense of like a diablo with randomized loot although there is some random generation but there is kind of a progressive path like a linear path through the game but at the same point in time if you don't know how to unlock the next thing it is there is this kind of element of you can go through the game to figure it out like there's enough npcs that you can kind of stumble your way through it but eventually like you said you're probably going to pick up a wiki to try to min max something or beat something a special way or unlock the next stage yeah so yeah that's a, a great segue the, the next game i did want to talk about is terraria um and to kind of give a, a brief description or overview for anyone that has not played terraria uh, it's a game that's often referred to as 2d minecraft uh, and while the comparison is fair, if if you're only vaguely familiar with either game, really they, they both offer pretty different gameplay experiences. Um, you know, we said earlier that, that Minecraft is a 3D game where you're in the first person. Terraria actually is is 2D, and it, it you know, similar to the view we were just talking about Mario. It's kind of similar to that view where you're a little guy running back and forth, or a little gal, uh, running back and forth side to side, up and down, but there's no three-dimensional element to it whatsoever. Um. Minecraft features some minor hunger mechanics where you need to eat. Um, I think there's, I guess that's probably it, because I don't think there's a, a thirst meter or anything in Minecraft. Terraria doesn't have those kinds of things. It just has a, a health pool and then a mana pool for, for when you get magic later. It, it is similar to Minecraft, though, in that you can, again, like I said about Minecraft, you can manip manipulate anything that you see. So you start out again with almost nothing and you've got to cut down trees and dig up stones from the ground and, and kind of make whatever uh, you can. Terraria doesn't really force a narrative story on the player. So kind of similar to Minecraft, you could just log in and play for as long as you wanted, kind of right where you started. Um, but Terraria has nearly 30 bosses and it also has a ton of standard non-boss type enemies for the player to fight. And then you can, as the player, construct all sorts of different structures to help fight or, or exploit, you know, boss mechanics. Um, Terraria is, I, it, you know, it's hard to say it's the best game I've ever played because it's like saying the best song I've ever heard, the best movie I've ever seen. There's just so many to choose from that it's not fair probably to try and isolate it down like that. But, but Terraria is far and away, you know, my top top three all-time games. I mean, it is incredible. Um, like Brett was just describing, it it does it has this kind of linear path as far as you start out with a copper sword and then you get a silver sword and you get a gold sword and you get a platinum sword. And I, I know I just got the material order wrong, but but you get the idea. You kind of stair step up through and that stair stepping goes on for a very long time. Uh, whereas in Minecraft, it ends pretty quickly. But while Terraria offers this linear path of progression where you clearly get more and more powerful as you go, it, you accomplish that in a very nonlinear way. You're not, you're not in a corridor. There's no checkpoint where you, you know, have to beat this enemy. Um, it's literally just kind of however you want to approach it.
So earlier when we were talking, you had said that Terraria was really your first entry into this loosely named <laughs> build a world genre. Right. Um, I had another buddy and I, I just want to provide a little context for people. And then I, I'm interested to hear what your experience was like. I had another buddy who had played Terraria for uh, several weeks um, by himself and he hadn't talked to any of us about it at all. He just heard about it and started playing it. Well, then he came over to my house to play and saw this crazy base that we had where we had wings and we could fly around and we had lasers and just all sorts of stuff. And it turns out that he had never even considered looking at the wiki. So he didn't know any of that. He was actually just still playing in the starter area that you spawn in on and just had like a little wooden house that he had built. And I don't really know what he was spending his time doing, but he had no idea that you could dig all the way to hell or <laughs> that there was a jungle or any of that stuff. What was your initial you, you experience just, with Terraria like? You just, you just did all of that because you want my one block off story, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I didn't think that was the first thing that you did. It was But I do like that story, and, and, and yes. <laughs> so, so to be fair, I, I was a really early adopter of Terraria. Um, and, and to one of your points as far as, you know, you, you're kind of going on about, you know, kind of how, how big the game had gotten. And and while you're saying that, I, I just to see, I pulled it up. the The did you know section of Wikipedia on Terraria states that it is the fifth best selling PC game of all time at 11 million copies. So it's actually not that far behind Minecraft, <laughs> which I oh, thought wow. was just yeah, that was just amazing. Um, that is crazy. So I was a really early adopter. I was you know the the one block off story is actually post release of hard mode but just barely and i was playing before hard mode was a thing where the wall of flesh was kind of the final boss of the underworld um man i don't i i mean it was a very single player game for me for a very long time mm -hmm. i had joined other people's worlds and i i think that was pre wings i don't because wings came with hard mode okay so I had seen some other players' worlds, and, you know, I followed some people on the forums, but I was very much so a single-player sandbox gamer. I was that way with, you know, Terraria and Kerbal Space Program and later Minecraft, although I did venture into some multiplayer Minecraft and had experiences on both ends of the spectrum with that. Um I don't know if I just don't get along well with others or if I just don't know <laughs> good people to play with um, <laughs> or compatible people to play with. Not necessarily good, but um, but I, 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 you know, outside of competitive games, as far as like shared experiences, um, I've just had, you know, bad luck with with that. And so I kind of I tend to steer away from it. And I think a lot of my original kind of playthrough of terraria was very much so treating it more like an adventure game than and again i had yet to experience minecraft um or really i i'm, I'm pretty sure it was it was my pretty much my first sandbox style game especially that you could affect the world in outside of i mean i had done some game design where you literally build you know the world along with the game I had played, you know, click and play and things like the incredible machine and stuff, but nothing to this, the same scale or scope. And 
it wasn't until definitely hard mode and seeing things on the forums that I was like, oh, like you can build some really cool structures and you can stitch together screenshots, which I didn't know was a thing and, and be able to get these like wide camera angles of things and stuff. But it, once hard mode was released, like I played the game in phases. I think I played, you know, my first couple of playthroughs were just treating it like an adventure game. And, and once hard mode was released, you know, I got to, to the point where I was like, there's enough blocks here. There's enough materials to work with that. I want to build something really cool. And yes. Yeah, so, so to explain real quick. So, you know, most games have a, when you start the game, it has a difficulty setting, which Terraria does actually have. However, when Brett's talking about hard mode, what he's talking about is that in Terraria, you play through, and I don't know, I'm going to say 10, it might be less than that, I, I don't know, but let's say there's 10 bosses that you kind of unlock and progress through and beat. Well, the last one that you beat, you have to go dig all the way down into hell, <laughs> and uh, it's this giant wall of flesh that takes up the entire screen. Anyway, once you manage to beat the wall of flesh, you think that that's the last boss, and originally in the game it was... Um, which is what Brett's talking about when he says pre-hard mode. But then what happened after that was they they made it so when you defeat the Wall of Flesh, hard mode unlocks in the game, and it, it's basically like starting all over again. So it, it's uh, it's pretty impressive because you, you've made a lot of progress, and unless you're well-versed in Terraria, it takes dozens of hours to get to the point where you beat Wall of Flesh. And then all of a sudden, you're just actually kind of starting from square one again. Now, you have all of your stuff, so you're not literally starting over. But there's a whole nother 10 or 15 or whatever it is bosses to, to progress through. There's a whole entirely new set of gear to, to progress through. All of the enemies are instantly just out to get you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it also it also continues, continues to improve your quality of life. So, like, when right. you start the game, you start with... A pickaxe and then you get better and better quality versions of the pickaxe that dig faster and and can dig more efficiently well as you, after you get into hard mode you eventually can unlock drills which go incredibly fast and, and speed up the process of digging much much quicker um when it comes to weapons you know again originally you start out and you can have some swords and some bow and arrow and that kind of stuff Eventually, you're getting literal lightsabers and laser guns and little little orbs that fly above your head and just automatically shoot anything that gets in range. Um, it's pretty it, it's pretty neat how how far it expands. So the the one block off story, since we've brought it up, I feel like we have to tell it now. So by all means, please um, share the the one block off story. So I had spent. Me and my, I'm not even sure if we were engaged at the time. We'll say my fiance at the time, my current wife. Um, I played Terraria. So kind of the deal was, is that um, I could play video games as long as I was at least moderately invested in other activities, such as watching television and things of the sort. Grey's Anatomy. This is, yeah, this, so Grey's Anatomy is forever tied to Terraria. It, like, (laughs) the theme music to Grey's Anatomy makes me think of Terraria in the same way the Mario overworld theme makes me think of Mario. Like, it is that tied together. There are, like, a thousand hours of me playing Terraria, <laughs> and probably half of that is with one headphone on, 
listening to Grey's Anatomy and, and it being <laughs> halfway engaged in that. Right. And so when hard mode first came out as a thing, there was some content to it, but there wasn't nearly the same number of bosses. We're talking like no Plantera, no Guardians, no Lunar Events, no Moon Lord, none of that. Um, just the three mechanical bosses was hard mode. And once you'd kind of beaten them and you'd gotten some of the best gear in the game, wasn't too terribly difficult to get. Um, you know, it's about that time that I was like, I really want to build a giant project. I mean, I'm only halfway engaged because, I mean, let's not be wrong here. The first several seasons of Grey's Anatomy had terrific writing in them and were actually fairly engaging. So <laughs> I, I, I was actually about as engaged in the game as I was in the TV show, which is to say I wasn't very engaged in either or both. But I, I decided to, to build a mega project. Like I had seen by this time I had been in your world. Um, this was when you and several of your friends had all kind of played in the same world a few times. I'd been in there I'd seen some of the things that you guys were working on. And I was just like, man, I want, I want to build a project and invite you guys over and just be like, wow, like, you know, I want to show off. And, yep. and, it, and it wasn't like a like a narcissistic like I'm better than you guys or anything. It's just like I was excited and I wanted to yeah you want to participate right. I kind of wanted to participate, but I couldn't hop on microphone with you guys. I couldn't hop into like Teamspeak or whatever and join you in your world because we played kind of at different times. And again, mm -hmm. with TV on, I couldn't be as invested, so I couldn't do that. But I still wanted to have a little bit of that experience. So I started this giant build. I wanted all of the NPCs into this giant castle made out of some of the hardest to obtain at the time bricks and, and blocks that were in the game. I wanted to be really expensive and really ritzy. I had, you know, fountains with statues that I had sculpted, like that looked like these like kind of female statues. They were wearing like a kind of a bikini sort of thing. And I like was Googling and researching build styles and techniques to make these different things and like lighting and stuff. I made a castle that spanned, I want to say, like four or five full pans of the screen. Like you had to, like I would have had to have screenshot, like five screenshots to be able to stitch it together just horizontally, another mm -hmm. three or four vertically. It was to me massive. Um, yes. At the time, not quite so compared to some of the crazy builds out there. But for me, it was especially solo and in a survival world. I wasn't in a creative mode. Um, I don't think Terraria had a creative mode then, and it, I guess they had T-Edit, but anyway. I So I built this giant mega castle, and I was getting towards the finishing touches. I was putting in fine detail work, and going through, at the time there was not like the ruler object wasn't a thing in games. So to, to make a ruler, you kind of had to count cubes on the bottom and like dig out every fifth one so you would have a marker to tell you how far things were going. And right. I was making this thing symmetrical. So I had to count over all of these little spaces and then figure out, okay, this is like 10 units from the bridge and five units up. I need to put six blocks vertically or whatever. And as I was going through and doing this, I kept on getting really frustrated because I was building this massive bridge that went the two sides of the castle kind of entered 
in the central area, and there was a giant bridge that connected them all on like the second story. I was building this giant bridge, and I was having a real frustrating time getting the patterns right because it was like this checker bar, checkerboard pattern, and for some reason it just wasn't coming out right. Every time I did it, it looked weird. And I'd run to one side of the castle, and I'd run all the way back to the other side, and I started taking screenshots and going, no, there's definitely something off. One of my blocks is off. So over the course of like three days, I'm going through, running back and forth, a couple of hours a night that I'm spending on this, and going out and collecting other blocks. But eventually I come back, and I'm looking at it, taking screenshots and going, okay, this is the block that's off, and destroying hours worth of work and rebuilding it all again, and they would come up with another block that was wrong. And I'm like, mm -hmm. man, am I just screwing up the same thing over and over again? Like, am I stuck in a cycle? And I, I was, I'm, am still this way, but especially at the time was very anti-cheat of any kind. If I cheat in a single block, to me, it invalidates the entire build. Even if I couldn't obtain that block in game, it invalidates right. everything. And it's all to me, especially if I'm playing in a survival game, it has to be built without cheats. Right. And so I got really, really frustrated and finally was like, okay, I just want to see the whole thing at once. I'm going to download the map editor, which is a cheating program that allows you to just build anything in a map, but it allows you to zoom it in and out in Terraria. I'm going to download the cheat program just to look at it and figure out what's wrong because I can't see all of it at the same time. Download the program, open the castle up, and my ruler that spans some 500 blocks, uh, it divided, you know, every fifth one with a, a torch and a hole in the ground, was off by one just <laughs> past the center point. So I counted four, and then from that four, counted five again for another 250 blocks. <laughs> so the entire map, the entire build, every measurement that I was taking would be accurate until you got right to the center of the map. Then it would be off. <laughs> and I oh. eyeballed a lot of things because I knew where the center was. So I would eyeball the center of the map because it fit on one screen. But anytime I got one screen off on either side, things would end up being off by a single block. <laughs> and, I, and I found that, and I could go in using this map editor and highlight the entire half of my castle and move it over one block. And it left this, like, and I saved it and I loaded it back up in game, and there's just, like a like a dead pixel on a screen, there was just this entire vertical column cut straight through the center of my castle, like five blocks to the center right of my castle. There's just this vertical dead bar where I've cut it and pasted it one block over. And seeing that in game and like flying around, it just crushed me. It was soul crushing <laughs> to the point where I had, because I had spent like months of time, at least a few hours a night, um, probably about a month to two months straight, working on this like masterpiece to show off to my friends. Like, I did it in survival. I did it without cheating. I made this giant, amazing castle. Come play with me. Like, come, I'm, you know, some kind of validation. And, and all of it was just ruined by this dead bar, this blank <laughs> void that cut from the very top of the map to the very bottom where I had cut and moved this thing over one. And it just, I stopped playing Terraria for at least, I want to say like eight months to a year at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, the easiest comparison that I can draw to it 
for for anyone is in the second Ace Ventura movie when he's leaving the Tibetan temple or whatever and he wants to do the slinky all the way down the stairs <laughs> he gets yes. all the way to the bottom <laughs> of the very last stair and then it stops and he's like oh come on yeah that's you that is you in terraria it literally was my last <laughs> stair it was like the last finishing touches before i was really getting because like i'd seen like i was like four blocks off and I'm like eh I must just be missing something. I'm going to go work on something else. Instead of fixing it then, I just went and did other things. And and yeah. and there were a lot of things that I could mirror from one side to the other like that existed way out on the fringes that still worked right. Right. Like So it wasn't like I noticed it right off. I mean, I was building entire whole sections, mirroring them by hand and going, okay, I know that once the... Once I hit the statue, I go 10 from there. So mm-hmm. all of that would still be mirrored perfectly. It was a nightmare. But yeah. that's that actually, the, the next time, I still haven't beaten current Terraria basically because of that, because I fell out for so long that it's really hard for me to get the same. And, I, and there's been a few times where I've gotten pretty far in Terraria, um, usually about Plantera slash, um, what's the jungle golem, but I had not mm. done any of the lunar stuff. None of the lunar events Yeah, uh, is about the point where I kind of dump out. Gotcha. Well, I would say, you know, to, to kind of recap, you know, we talked about Minecraft and again, Minecraft, in my opinion, at least the, 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 the most satisfying thing that it offers is this kind of canvas blank slate feeling where you can just kind of make whatever you want. The downside of it, though, is that without a ton of mods, there's not really any purpose to anything. You know, you can spend all this time building a really cool castle, and at least in the older versions, now I understand some of the newer versions have actually attempted to address this, but in the older versions, you have this really cool castle, and it doesn't actually serve any function. There's nothing to attack you. There's nothing to defend from. You don't actually need the castle. Um, So again, you know, from an artistic satisfaction kind of standpoint, it offers a lot but as far as actual gameplay challenges, uh, you know, without mods, it can be a bit lacking. Terraria is kind of that opposite experience. And that's not fair to say it's opposite. Terraria also offers a very satisfying canvasy type experience. I mean, that's what Brett's Off by One Block story is all about, is creating this really neat, immaculate, imaginative castle that ultimately is not actually necessary to, you know, achieve things in the game, but is satisfying to run around and like you said, show off to your friends and that sort of stuff. And, and I will say I saw screenshots of it and it was incredibly cool. I'm, I'm pretty sure you visited the world. I'm pretty sure I did. I, yeah. But it was after I had moved everything. Cause it was, you're, I think, yeah, I did take screenshots because actually, I don't know if it still is to this day, but for a long time in steam, which is where my Terraria install is, um, if you take a screenshot in the game in steam, then it will make, the the background picture in your steam library whatever that screenshot is and for a long time my terraria screenshot was of those fountain statues that you created those things were so they were like half stolen but i made them my own and i really did love them it was cool but yeah i i i really can't recommend terraria enough like i said as, as much as i urge everyone who's a gamer to try minecraft and that is still true um terraria i think is a little more more focused of an experience than, than Minecraft is. But I think it, uh, especially in the vanilla version of it, 
offers a lot more mileage as far as, as you know, objectives to do and, and a feeling of progression and accomplishment. Yeah, it scratches that adventure itch a lot more. It's a lot closer. Like, if, if Minecraft is the Zillennial Mario or Super Mario World, then Terraria is the Zillennial Zelda. Another game that I have kind of on in this genre in my head is, is Factorio. Uh, again, I did an episode, I think just two weeks ago now, about Factorio. It's in the episode title, so I won't go into any real detail on it here other than to say that it is also an excellent game that offers a very different experience from either Terraria or Minecraft. Um, and definitely check out that episode and definitely give Factorio a look uh, in kind of this build-a-world genre. That was a, a great episode and, and a great game, and I definitely, I have sunk many hours into Factorio as well, and it's, you know, it, it scratches that incredible machine itch, that, you know, more st statistical kind of inventory aspect of things. And... Yeah, well, and what I said about Factorio, and I had one friend that kind of interpreted this as like, Factorio is better than Minecraft and, and and I don't think that's really fair because they're just pretty different games yeah. really but um what what all of these games on the list that we're going to talk about today kind of require is that at the end of the day if you want to build a castle of a thousand blocks you have to go dig up a thousand blocks by hand or or what you have to go left click on the blocks to get them and Factorio does the opposite of that. And Factorio constantly automates everything. So Factorio just kind of allows you to to really get imaginative with base designs and and with just what you might try and accomplish in the game because you're not really prohibited by, you know, quote unquote the grind. Whereas in Terraria, you might have a really cool idea for a castle that spans five screens wide and four screens tall. But you have to go dig all that fucking stuff up, and that takes a <laughs> long time. It's true. Um, but yeah, so another game that I want to I want to touch on briefly is that's kind of in the genre would be Don't Starve. Um, so while you know Minecraft might be the most kind of beautifully simplistic game, Terraria is probably the best overall game in this in this category. Don't Starve is far and away the most true to the survival moniker that these games get um it is also probably the most charming artistically and and that's not just visually but also sound design um one of the most charming games i've ever played it is incredibly <laughs> adorable all the characters talk in little song noises um the animations they kind of bounce around it's just this really really cutesy silly really kind of comforting vibe which is completely antithetical to everything else about the game which is just a grueling stressful experience that that gives no quarter um don't starve was de developed in this early access beta kind of process and it was a game that really took its hardcore fans feedback in, and incorporated into the design and you can see that when you play it because it pulls no punches, you know, in Minecraft or Terraria or Don't Starve, if you die, you can set it to be you only get one life. But the, the default setting is 
you respawn and you can run back to where you died and you can pick up your stuff and then you can keep playing and don't starve. If you die, that's it. You, you, that, that game world is gone. The character's gone and you have to restart from, from day one. Um, and it, it's just really punishing because you might play for 30 in game days or you might play for 200 in game days and then one time make a mistake and lose everything <laughs> and it's just gone um don't starve eventually came out with a multiplayer version of the game that definitely takes the edge off of its challenge to some extent um but even with that it is still a a brutally punishing game all that being said i i, I feel like i'm kind of bashing it a little bit and I don't mean to be I will say that it's difficulty is something that I don't because of it I don't play the game an, an enormous amount um I, I played it quite a bit when we first picked it up but I really kind of backed off after I don't know a couple of weeks just because of how brutal it is did you have a ton of experience with um with don't starve Brent? yeah actually i've i've gone back to it several times including don't starve together um me and a, a different buddy of mine from down in florida um have put a ton of hours into don't starve together and reign of giants like finding ways to attack bosses and last as long as possible and i think our longest is somewhere in the 200 days in a multiplayer game with giants and that's multiple, I think the seasons are 30 days each. So that's multiple like in-game years. Right. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. That we've, that we survived, which was really awesome. And we still hadn't explored all the content that was there even then. But yeah. I was, I was a pretty early adopter of Don't Starve as well. I remember um, getting, getting that like first 30 day mark, like surviving winter the first time was so mm -hmm. huge. And then just immediately yes. dying because having no idea what came next. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually got an appreciation for hardcore games because of Don't Starve. So it wasn't until after playing Don't Starve that I went back to games like Path of Exile or Diablo and was willing to give hardcore a chance and even enjoy it. Um, I think at first I really hated the permadeath mechanic of don't starve but i think it's it's art style and as you said it's charming nature in the face of how much of a like before dark souls was really popular for being dark souls don't starve was the dark souls of the survival sandbox game but it was so darn cute i, I mean an art style literally like kind of a, a modern almost steampunk version of the peanuts cartoon with a little bit of calvin and Hobbes, but all in done like you said in musical instruments <laughs> but with this really dark undertone like death was real to these yeah. cartoon things and like you were stolen from your world and there were monsters and your insanity could hurt you as there's a sanity mechanic in the game. And as your sanity drops, these shadows kind of appear. If your sanity drops far enough, those shadows become real and can hurt you and, and take away physical HP and you have to physically fight them. And they can sometimes drop items that you can get in game. It was this, not that that was a new mechanic, but it was done in such a much more gritty fashion that was 
you're right. It, it clashed with its art style so hard, but I think because of that, it made it so unique and interesting and fun that it kind of like brought this like, Hey, it's a friendly, cute thing. So if you die, it's no big deal. And, and <laughs> that allowed me to kind of get over that hump of hating permadeath, yeah. um, especially coming from a, a coin arcade culture where, cause I mean, we grew up with permadeath three lives right. and you're out sort of thing. And, and just having to, to that kind of PTSD of not having enough quarters to beat the next level, um, right. you know, made me kind of hate permadeath, especially as games became more open with death mechanics and, you know, continues and lives became a thing of the past. And you just got, you know, gold deductions or can whatever infinite continues don't starve was kind of my first foray into like, no, you're dead. You're a hundred percent dead. Your mm -hmm. save file is deleted the second that you take critical damage. And if mm -hmm. you alt F4, you're still dead. Like you can't close the game and not be dead. Well, and there's other games that are in the, the roguelite genre. Like, um, oh, now I, as soon as I said that, I can't think of the name of it. It's the one where you're on a spaceship and you're trying to escape faster than light yes thank you ftl yeah that's exactly what i meant so in faster than light that game also features a hardcore permadeath mechanic except that as you complete or even fail at multiple playthroughs you do slowly unlock new things that when you start the next time you can start with this new right thing. there's kind of a so meta game to it yeah so your progression is is eased as you continue playing that is not true in Don't Starve. I mean, you it can play... kind of is. You you unlock other characters. You do unlock yeah, but the other, other characters character. all come with their own. It's not like the other characters are just markedly better than Wilson. Right. They all come with their own. I, I think there detriment. are many of them that are just markedly worse. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. that yes, that I would agree the game with that. Harder. So instead of unlocking easier versions of the game, you unlock harder ones. Right. Right. Um. But yeah, Don't Starve is is a, a really, really cool game. And if you like a challenge and you like something that you really have to dig into to to get anything out of, um, it it's a very rewarding game. You know, Brett was talking about the sanity mechanic earlier, which is is a really neat mechanic. Um, but they they don't just have it in there just to make it harder. For example, if you actually try and beat the quote unquote campaign of the game there's eventually a point where you have to go across a bridge to this remote island and the bridge is only visible if you're in if your sanity meter is low enough so you actually physically can't cross this <laughs> this body of water unless your character is crazy enough to see the bridge and then you can cross it but the thing is is you can't just survive indefinitely at a low sanity meter you have to constantly bring it back up because if it gets too low then like Brett was talking about earlier, those shadows will come out and kill you. So it's just a game that, that really just really demands a lot. And I guess really the, maybe the easiest way to put it is that in Minecraft, especially, and then Terraria a little bit more, it, there's a point where you can kind of automate things within your own base. Um, whether that be growing food to make for, for, to eat for health regen or in Terraria making potions or having the vendors on hand that you can quickly buy and sell stuff from. In Don't Starve, it just never gives you that. You never get a point where you're set up. Because the moment you think that you've hit that point, you become careless and then you die. And then that's and then the game does not care <laughs> that you just lost all of that time. 
Um, another game, though, that is it's not like Don't Starve in a lot of ways, but it, it kind of shares the same perspective as like a literal camera perspective and controls in a similar way, um, but is frankly for me at least was a lot more fun and a lot less brutal and that's Crashlands. Um and that's a game that that Brett has played quite a bit and the the developer of that butterscotch shenanigans Brett is a, a pretty big fan of and has met them and is involved with a a new, a new game that they're testing. Um but did you want to what do you think about about Crashlands and how that compares to Don't Starve? So it's it's you know and and the devs on, on their podcast, quick plug, if you don't mind, uh, Coffee with Butterscotch is a really fun game dev comedy podcast and goes into the inner workings of their their group and, and their games. And, the, you know, it's no secret that they've talked about how inspired they were by companies and, and games like Battle Block Theater and, you know, Don't Starve particularly in, in kind of the development of Crashlands. But they wanted to adopt some other methodologies to the things that they were doing. And one of the methodologies they adopted is, can we not? Which is just to ask, like, if something is difficult to do, instead of asking, you know, why should we do this or how can we do this, rephrase the question to, can I not do this? And see what happens when you try to get away with something that seems core or integral to the game. And, and the Butterscotch Shenanigans group basically asked one of the big questions that they hit when developing Crashlands was inventory management. And they'd gone through several different inventory systems, and none of them felt right. And so they literally looked at it one day and asked themselves, can we not do inventory management? Can we, not have, an in- can we have a survival crafting game without having an inventory? Which, yeah, to be clear, is a, a huge part of Minecraft to some extent, Terraria to some extent, but Don't Starve huge especially. Amount. Don't Starve, uh, yeah. I mean, I would say, I don't know, I can't give a percentage that would be accurate, but there is a, a, a significant portion of the difficulty of Don't Starve comes from how you manage your inventory because there's only so many, many spots and you constantly need more. Right, so. and everything's a matter of life, literal life and death. Every item right. that you carry, <laughs> you know, however far you go, is is life or death. And and so they, they asked that question, like, can we do a, a Don't Starve style game without any inventory? And, and what happens? And it turns out that in a lot of games, especially when the inventory is not as necessary, I would say that the inventory is a necessary mechanic to make Don't Starve as stressful and intense it is, as it is. But Minecraft and Terraria, to me, are not... Those games are not enhanced by having a limited inventory. There's never a moment in Terraria where I'm like, oh man, my limited inventory space has me stressed because I'm oh, I'm worried that I'm going to die. It's mostly like, oh man, I got to go to my base and drop off 10 tons worth of things that I shouldn't be able to carry on me anyway because this is illogical to begin with. Right. Just for the sole purpose of going back out to pick up the other half ton that I couldn't bring with me. Right. And, and same thing in Minecraft. It does not enhance the game. Don't Starve is enhanced because it's that, that constant balancing act that you've got to partake in. And, and the very tiny inventory there. But almost all of the other games that fall into this genre, you either have an unrealistically sized inventory to begin with, or it doesn't 
you know add to the game and and so crashlands is kind of uh, a slightly futuristic version of one of these styles of games survival crafting style game a little bit more on the adventure side with a, a set campaign and a set story um but you have an infinite inventory you have interdimensional pockets that go to a warehouse you know thousands of light years across space and time and anything that you stuff in your pockets just goes to this warehouse it's like the infinite bag of holding type thing but it makes the game so much more accessible because you still largely create your own missions like there is a story to go through it's kind of terraria in the sense of like there's a progression and an order to things but there's also kind of a you can go do whatever you want and still kind of make up your own quests like oh i need to get this next item so i need 20 trees or whatever i'm gonna go get those only instead of worrying about i can only carry 10 at a time and have to go back to my base you can just kind of make up your goals and go out and accomplish them and in, maybe even surpass them while you're out and, and bring that stuff back. And I think that that I'm surprised that it hasn't changed, you know, more games in this genre to realize that you like fallout to me always seems like one of those games that's you carry like 400 pounds of things to begin with and things have unrealistic weights. And, and it's like, I'm not going to be carrying 12 shotguns and a minigun and like a cowhide in this wasteland. Like it, you might as well just let me have infinite stuff anyway, because mm -hmm. 400 pounds is unrealistic for me to be sneaking like around and avoiding super mutants while like, it's just not, it's already not possible. If you've already broken my suspension of disbelief, just let me have infinite. Yeah, well, in, in games, the, the Bethesda games like Fallout or Skyrim, I mean, they make almost everything in the game something you can pick up. You can pick up an apple or a plate right. or a saucer or a cup or a dish or whatever. And so it, it almost is kind of confusing because as the player, you feel like you're being invited to constantly pick up something. But then you're punished because you quickly get encumbered or fill up your inventory or whatever the case may be. Well, and a lot of those items have not just a monetary value, but like, especially in the Fallout games where you break them down into components to build mm -hmm. your base with, like they're adding that building mechanic. Like in Skyrim, it's kind of like a, I want to sell everything and make a bunch of gold. But in, in the Fallout series, they're moving towards that survival build a world style game and it's like i need every screw and scrap of wood and piece of glue that i can get mm -hmm. yep agreed yeah i think that Crashlands definitely um for me i mean i haven't played it nearly as much as brett but for me it offered kind of a fresh take and 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 the the freedom of that inventory unlimited inventory is really that you just feel like you can set out and explore as much as you want like in terraria or in minecraft there's always this constant feeling or, you know, or don't starve, especially there's this constant feeling of like, okay, well, I'm going to go run to the West and see what I can find. But then after you get so far West, it's like, well, how full is my inventory? How long is it going to take me to get back? Because ultimately I'm going to have to go back and drop stuff off. And in Crashlands, you just feel a lot more free to just run around and do whatever you want. You don't have to be tied to, um, to your base in that same way. Now, you do end up returning to the base often. I think there's a fast travel mechanic um, that also kind of simplifies that. But, but Crashlands was definitely a, a really neat take 
kind of on that genre and and definitely another one worth uh, worth checking out. Well, the only other game that I really had in this kind of category, and I think actually we'll, I'll probably save it, it, most of it to, to talk about another time. I don't think Brett has, has played it at all, um, but that game is Ark. Um, have you ever played Ark, Brett? So I have not. We've talked about okay. it a fair bit, and yeah. I've seen some gameplay on it. I've watched some on like Twitch and YouTube and streams and things like that. Um, yeah. I've not really dove into that one just yet. I have a friend that has literally put more than 2,000 hours into Ark, so I will probably see if he would like to <laughs> come and share yeah, some of his expertise sometime. But um, but what I'll say about Ark is that, you know, all of these games, you know, Brett, as Brett said earlier, that, you know, you're kind of climbing up on the shoulders of, of those that came before you, standing on the shoulders of giants kind of thing. And Ark, Ark I think, does that maybe better than any other game. And what I mean by that is that, Ark really benefits from the design and mechanics that everything that came before it put in. And you could argue that that's true in any case, but Ark really, really goes for it. And it creates, Ark is a game where you start in a primitive world and by the end you're literally in power armor, power ranger suit type shit, you know. So it just, the, the span of technology that it covers, it's got dinosaurs that are actually really, really satisfying and cool. Um, and it's just got a, a lot of really interesting mechanics and gameplay to it, but I think we'll dive into that another time. To recap, Minecraft, Terraria, Factorio, Don't Starve, Crashlands, all excellent games in this, again, loosely defined build-a-world genre. Survival is probably what most people call them, but then you get into splitting hairs because some of these games don't really have true survival mechanics. Don't Starve, probably the most hardcore of, of the survival games on the list. Um, but that's that's really kind of what I wanted to, to dive into today, was just talking about those games and sharing our thoughts about them and encouraging anyone who hasn't tried them out to, to give them a whirl, because, you know, especially if you're stuck in a land where you play just AAA titles, where you're playing Call of Duty and, and Mass Effect and, and those games, which, to be clear, great games, but there is a whole nother set of experiences out there that's just still a video game and yet totally different than than a first person shooter uh, or or even an RTS or something like that can offer. Um, Brett, thank you so much for joining the show today. Really, really appreciate you taking the time to, to, to share your thoughts on all this. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's been a great experience. Well, that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Brett Lindley, for joining us to talk about those different games. Uh, I spend an enormous amount of time <laughs> playing video games, and those games specifically have eaten up a lot of my time over the last few years. If you guys have any thoughts, questions on the show, please send me an email at walker at the walkshowpodcast.com. I'd love to read through them and then provide responses and share my thoughts on those those comments on future episodes. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.